0: when was the last time you guys went on a date? You know, and we have like a five-month-old. And I was like, date? We haven't been on it. Well, we went out for our anniversary for like 45 minutes, but we haven't been anywhere or done anything together.
1: Have you had a chance to sit down with your partner uninterrupted and really use I statements? I feel like I'm doing all the work. I feel like that may not be true, but I can't shake the feeling. And I don't know what to do about that.
2: Take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate. A dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is Couples Synergy.
3: Welcome back to another episode of Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. Hi, I'm Dr. Ray.
2: And I'm Jean. This is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships.
3: Check us out online at couplesynergy.com or on Facebook and Instagram at Couplesynergy. And please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy an in depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for over 20 years.
2: You know, every day we get your intimate details about a couple celebrations, disappointments, and everyday challenges. We've often wished these stories were shared because we know we are more similar than different. So we've created not only an avenue where you can hear about people's intimate lives, but an atmosphere where people come over to our home pub Or drink and share their stories.
3: People like today's guests, Catherine and Rick O'Brien. Catherine is a licensed marriage and family therapist and the founder of happywithbaby.com. She created Happy With Baby in order for new and expecting parents to discover the advice she wishes she could have had when managing expectations of parenthood and relationships. Thank you so much for being on our podcast today, Catherine and Rick.
0: Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having us.
3: So we definitely want to get into the work that you do and definitely talk a little bit about the book as well. Uh, But before we do that, why don't you guys tell us a little bit about yourselves? How old are you and what do you do for a living and how long have you been together? Good
1: questions. How old are we now? Um... 52 and...
0: 45. Yeah. So Rick just had a birthday and we've been together for 18 years dating and we will celebrate our 14th anniversary in April. And
3: Um, (laughs) wonderful. (laughs) Yeah. Happy birthday, by the way. Thank you.
2: Yes. Can you tell us a story of how you met? Uh, Yeah. You can tell it. (laughs) (laughs) That's
1: called match.com.
2: Back okay. in the day.
1: Back in the day, yeah.
2: A long time
1: ago. <laughs> um, I didn't have a picture, and so she didn't have a picture, and I think she responded to me because she wanted to know why I didn't have a picture.
0: Because and... it, it was back when you had to go – I had to go to, like, Kinko's to even upload a picture
2: onto my computer.
3: Kinko's. Wow, look at that. Yeah, that's really yeah, – like
2: <laughs> Did how, you go to Glamour Shots, too, oh, and get how, your <laughs> – picture taken. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And so then I, you know, I, I was working with at-risk families and kind of wanted to protect my identity on there. And it was new, like it was a newer format to meeting people. And a friend of mine had talked me into doing it. So I was like, well, I'll just send people a picture individually as they request it. And he didn't request it and wanted to meet me anyways. And I was just curious, like what he did and um, we found out that we had some mutual connections as well. So, um, yeah. yeah, and then, you know. Here we are. Here we are today.
2: <laughs> <laughs> How long did you guys talk before you met? Like three times, maybe.
0: Yeah, he, well, it was like, we connected right before the holidays and you were going away for the for um christmas nice and so he's like well when i get back i'll i'll reach out to you so we had like um talked on the phone he's like i'll reach out to you when i get back and and he did and um we ended up meeting that very next day a sunday on a sunday night because
1: <laughs> well i had a had a strategy that always always have a reason to call it off if it's not going well oh so met on a sunday night because you know if it didn't go well i gotta work tomorrow <laughs>
3: Oh, yeah, there you go. It, it he was
0: much well. more experienced at this. Clearly, <laughs> I didn't have a strategy. I was just like,
2: "Sure, I'll meet you." <laughs> yeah.
3: So you couldn't see through his uh, his strategy there, right? No. <laughs> it's a Sunday date. Hmm.
2: what was yeah. your first impression in person?
0: I was like, "Oh, I was pleasantly
1: surprised." <laughs> well, I I had I don't know what I had said words to the effect of or or he, it was like because you would like
0: check off different boxes so he's like athletic build short hair you know kind of like a you know ideal and so I had kind of joked with him like oh so you're 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 gonna be you know bald and you know short <laughs> and like all these things and so when I saw him I'm like oh you you are what you said <laughs> so
1: and of course I thought she was beautiful <laughs> <laughs>
3: that's wait. And what was it about each other that you fell in love with?
1: Wow. I don't know that we've ever been asked that. I know that is a good question.
0: Um, I think he, for me, he was very um, easy to talk to and comfortable. And he was, he said he did what he said he would do. Like if he said he was going to call me, he called me. Um, he, I always, he's always treated me with respect even at times when we don't, get along like I feel like he doesn't you know go low and like make me feel bad about myself he's always very um and he believes in me when I (laughs) when I don't so I I guess that wasn't how I fell in love with him right away but I think over the years like definitely he's always he was true he did what he said he would do and I was shocked after like you know dating many people that had not (laughs) I was pleasantly surprised yeah
1: I would say uh, she was great company right from the get-go, easy to talk to, um, empathetic, um, just really was very comfortable to be around her.
3: That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So then how does your relationship develop from there?
1: Uh, Well, we dated for, I don't know. Almost four years. Well, we dated for four years, but we did, we were you know, dating, living separately probably for what, a year and a half, two, two, two years. years. And then um Catherine moved into my house that I owned. And then uh, we did that for a year and a half, two
2: years and and then got married from there. How'd you get engaged?
1: We actually I um suggested that we should go out get a drink one Sunday night. <laughs> We went back Sunday, just song. in case it goes <laughs> bad. <Yeah. laughs>
0: and I should have been closed in that. It was like
1: a we, Sunday <laughs> We went back to the bar that we originally met at, and I proposed to her there.
0: Yeah.
3: Very nice. Very nice. Did you see it coming?
1: No, because
0: I was clueless. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, even talking to him about, like, remember when we met here? And I kept talking, and he's like, yeah, I was like waiting for you to be quiet. So well, it's funny, propose. because we hadn't
1: been back there for a long time prior to that. Yeah. and I had forgotten kind of the layout of it, I kind of envisioned i would get down on you know the whole traditional thing but the bar stools were up like here so (laughs) so he did not so that that didn't quite happen as i envisioned it but
3: yeah yeah you didn't get down on one knee then
1: i did not get down on one knee because she would have been (laughs) like you (laughs) would have been like looking down from a mountaintop (laughs) (laughs) and i probably
0: would have been like what are you doing get up here (laughs) attention to us (laughs)
3: yeah and so then how long are you guys uh without kids or when did you start having a family
0: well we had talked about like well let's be married at least a year i mean we were a bit older you know we're both in our 30s he was almost 40 when we got married so we're like we don't want to wait too long but let's be married at least a year before we have kids and um Lo and behold, we celebrated our first anniversary with a three-week-old, so that did not, (laughs) that didn't work out. We got pregnant much quicker than we had anticipated, and um, yeah, so that kind of rocked our world.
1: And then our second was born about four years after Mm -hmm. our first,
3: and
2: okay. So what happened in that transition that made you passionate about helping other people go through those transitions? (laughs)
0: Well, yeah, uh, because I, you know, we had a really good solid relationship. Like we've always, it's always been easy to communicate with each other and, um, you know, talk about difficult, you know, situations. And, you know, we're not the type of couple that like fight about things, but we can have disagreements and then, you know, work through them and resolve them and stuff. Um, But bringing a baby home and being exhausted and like, frustrated as we were, like learning all these new things that we're supposed to know how to do and like take care of this little human and um it was really stressful mm-hmm. um for both of us and I found like there was this more conflict and like like I would get my feelings hurt which I'm sure had a lot to do with being tired or he would say something and I would take it the wrong way like finding it really difficult and like just feeling like we were not like in the on the same page with each other um and we and,
1: weren't I'm sorry go ahead we weren't really talking uh, yes to each other talking at each other yes and one of the things we talk about in the book is that um there was a lot of scorekeeping yes. that we both were doing that didn't really know it or recognize it for that at the time but um you know convinced that I was doing way more than my share um, which which of course is ridiculous but um, and then well the rest of the story is yours
0: um well and then I you know I would go you know to mom's groups or things during the day you know at different times um with our son and hear other other parents sharing their own difficulties so I was like well hey I was so relieved that it wasn't just me that was having a difficult time but then I'm like where was the memo? Like, this was going to be this hard. Like, I wish I would have had known. I wish somebody would have told me I wish. And then I was like, well, you, I was a therapist at the time. So like, I'm like, how am I so ill prepared being, you know, a therapist? Like I should know this. I work with couples all the time. Um, And so then I just kind of started putting together like this mental list of like, I wish I would have known this. I wish I would have known this. And Like, I want to be able to share that with other people and be, you know, maybe give them some tools or some, help them plan a little bit better than we were going into it.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of things that people are told about being a parent. Um, Some of them more true than others, Mm -hmm. but we, in our experience, we weren't being told or reading anything that prepared us for what it would do to our relationship, the Mm -hmm. challenges it would put on our relationship. So I think that to try to remedy that deficiency uh, was one of the things that was motivating to write the book.
3: Mm-hmm. I think that's really important because a lot of couples out there, especially young couples with kids, mm-hmm. you know, they don't have the support right. you know, that past generations may have had. And mm-hmm. so because of that, that they don't get that guidance as well. Yeah. And we are just, isn't it amazing? We're just bombarded by information everywhere. And yet yeah. people still don't know and they still don't have that
0: yeah yeah because i think we have information but we don't have the support that goes along with like implementing some of the information too and so that was like you know part of like what we wanted to do so you know we started started teaching a workshop prior to like writing the book that was kind of the impetus of writing the book and then you know like creating like, you know, support groups and stuff like that for parents so that they're like, oh, there, there are people here along the way to help us. And, you know, in where we live here in Sacramento is we there's, I, or at least they seem to be attracted to my group. And maybe that's why, because they don't have other family support or friend support, but they seem to move here from different areas and don't have support outside of their partner. And, um, I tell people all the time, your partner, isn't your postpartum plan. Like you need more than that as parents, like, like it's great. And it, things work so much better when it's us together, but then we don't know everything. We can't do everything ourselves. We need other supports to, you know, to help us along the way. And so it's like, how do you start building the support system to, um, you
1: know, uh, and recognizing where you don't have support and, yeah. and trying to plan for that. And, um, have a contingent plan the best you can.
2: Yeah. Can you guys talk about the impact it had on your relationship? I mean, besides scorekeeping, like, what did that feel like? You probably went from a closeness to some type mm-hmm. of disconnection to a pivot point of coming back together.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I I have a clear memory of the pivot point for me when coming back together. And it was like, I just felt like, Everything we like we would talk and like not hear each other- clearly couldn't hear what the other one was saying, or you know one of my <laughs> I always like joke about like uh one of my least favorite things to be asked is like, "Well, do you want to get the baby?" you know because it's like, oh, the baby's like crying in the middle of the night, and it's like oh or it, he would ask like, "Do you want me to get the baby?" yes of course, I want you to get the baby. I don't want to have to get out of bed. But you asking me that, that now makes it sound like I should be the one to do it, you know? And so just feeling like little, so like little things he would say would just be like, everything felt wrong. Or he'd be like, well, what do you have to do today? I'm like, what do you mean? What do I have to do? And he's just like, and I know this because I know who he is. He's genuinely asking like, oh, what, what do you have going on? And I'm hearing is you have nothing to do today. You're just home with the baby." Like hanging out, you know, watching TV or whatever. I don't know what he, I mean, I don't, I'm sure you didn't think that, but whatever. You and weren't watching head.
3: TV? <laughs> <laughs> Eating bonbons. Um,
2: I
0: was probably trying to sleep whenever I could. Um, but, uh, but the pivot point was I was, um, I, in the early days, like I would kind of flex my schedule according to his schedule because, you know, um, we didn't have like a lot of support locally at the time. And so he would come home from work and I would go into work for a couple hours in private practice or I'd work Saturday. So it was one Saturday I was like on my way into the office and we had gotten into some kind of like disagreement and I don't know what it was, but I was crying as I was like driving (laughs) to my office, which never happened. Right. So it's like, clearly something's not right that he's made me cry as I'm going to go help other couples. And I just happened to call, um, a very good friend of mine who is also a therapist and she, and I still, to this day, I'm like, Oh, thank God you answered that day. Because I don't know, like what would have happened had she not answered, but she answers the phone and I'm like crying to her, telling her what's going on. And all she said to me was like, when was the last time you guys went on a date? You know, and we have like a five month old four or five months old, something like that. And I was like, date, we haven't been on it. Well, we went out for our anniversary for like 45 minutes. But other than that, we (laughs) with, you know, three week old, but other than that, we haven't done, you know, we haven't been anywhere or done anything together. And she's like, I just think if you guys go and spend some time together, like you need to do that. And so my mom actually had come to visit and we just went out for like dessert, I think. Yeah. Yeah. We went out to get dessert. And it was just like, oh, it was almost like I could like breathe like, Oh yeah, I, I, I like you. You like me. Like this is, you know, we're talking, you know, we talk about our son and like all the you know great things, but it just felt like, okay, like we, we are in this together. We're not doing it separately, you know, and we just need to figure out a way to make some like quality time where we're checking in and connecting with each other. Cause that's what we were lacking.
2: Yeah. yeah and
1: I, I agree that that was the pivot point for me. It felt, um, uh... Very much the same but also the added on like not i'm not working the same amount i don't have the same relationships at work i had at, mm-hmm. certainly as a single person but as a non-parent um i don't have the same relationship with my wife and now i have this infant uh, uh, as well so it all felt very um isolated mm-hmm. and so that that going back out and hearing that of course, you're in the same boat that I am, where mm-hmm. we're in this together. Which, of course, I knew. You know, <laughs> if somebody had asked me, I would have been able to articulate the words. But I didn't think I felt that mm-hmm. until we went out on that date.
2: It's almost like you got to give yourself permission to feel the sadness so you can grieve, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you have this baby and you think, "But I, I have this beautiful baby, so I shouldn't feel yeah. this way." But you do, and there's yeah. a grief that goes with the loss of the adult single life and becoming a parent for sure. I
0: I think that is such a, a, so important. And, you know, I, I talk about that all the time too, that grief with becoming a parent, that we don't, we don't give permission for that because we're not supposed to feel sad about something or feel, you know, miss something when we're excited about something else. And I think it's both. I think you can, I think you can be, groups be sad about that but also happy and look forward to the future it's not you know no. one or the other and so and I think it's like how can we have like let ourselves have all the different feelings
1: we're experiencing yeah I mean now there's a acronym for it right FOMO. but we're not, we didn't have that back then but um, back in the day back in the day yeah <laughs> that's that's kind of what it was right you think that's all what you things, had yeah yeah certainly to some
3: and so you started uh, this foundation and and wrote the book because of this experience.
0: Yeah. So it's not. Um, yeah. So not quite a, a foundation. So like, yeah, I have my private practice, and then in doing that, we started doing workshops and for couples. And then I, um, found you know was finding that you know I'm hearing more about postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety. Like, what is this? Because I it really was. The only thing I'd ever heard of it really prior to that was um, Tom Cruise, you know, saying something negative about Brooke Shields. So I'm like, so tell me more about this, this is clearly, this is something. And so I want to learn more. I want to understand this because I'm helping these couples and I can see it. Like it was very clear to me. Um, and so, you know, I went and got some training in, um treating postpartum um mood and anxiety disorders, and then was connected with other people in the Sacramento area. Like, how do we provide more support, you know, to families? Because this is something like one in, you know, five women will experience this. And then they will also, um, you know, dads do as well. And their rates go up as mom's rates um, are there. So.
3: Would you say that's uh, one of the biggest challenges that younger couples are facing today, would that be recovery from postpartum or like the lack of support? Mm-hmm. Just what are you seeing?
0: um yeah, i think I think it's a I think it's a lack of support, and I find you know of course, it's not exclusively like women that don't have support have have are the only ones that have you know a mood or anxiety disorder. But I would say I tend to find it's much higher um, in the in the women that don't have support. And we also know, you know, your risk for it goes up when you don't have a good um support system, but then also a good relationship, like your, you know, the risks go up. So um I think it's definitely um an issue um that is kind of like. I mean, I know it's being talked about more and more, but I also think we still think like, well, this won't happen to me or, you know, like I'm excited about having babies. So, you know, I i shouldn't feel bad or like just waiting for it to get better. Like sometimes I hear moms like wait and wait, like thinking it's going to get better and it doesn't, you know, so.
2: Would you differentiate between uh, postpartum depression and the chemical imbalance that someone's going through versus the adjustment and probably the lack of sleep and self-care and the normal things that isn't necessarily a disorder, but you it's still a very difficult adjustment, yeah. or would you put it all under that umbrella of postpartum depression?
0: Um, no, because I, I mean, I think, you know, like I have some moms where it's like, if we can get some of the self-care, if we can figure out a way to get more quality hours of sleep, their moods change, you know, like they start to feel better. Um, I think it's, you know, and then there are the moms that like, even though now I am getting a little bit more rest or I have the opportunity to rest, but now I can't sleep anyways, you know, that's a cons- That's a red flag, right? Or, um, you know, I have good support systems. I have these things that are going and still like something's not quite right. I still don't feel, I feel like something's off. Um, then it's, then it's more than I, then I say like, okay, like let's figure out like what else we need to do. You know, is it medication is, you know, therapy, like there's, they're finding more and more different ways. Like if we can, you know, kind of umbrella, like we know, like, uh, you know, massage can be helpful. We know acupuncture, we know like all these different things and modes, like how do we get, um, get people what they need to make um, for treatment. Um, And then in in that time.
1: So. I mean, I think that is an important distinction that you were asking about that there's definitely from, you know, from listening to Catherine being part of these courses, there are people that are having a rough time because they don't have the support. They don't have the connection. They, they had prior and mm-hmm. those things can be addressed and it doesn't mean that everything's perfect, but they don't have the same um, pressures on them. And then I think to just kind of echo what Catherine's saying, you could fix all that and somebody um, still not feeling well, but having all the first one makes the second one more likely, right? If you have all the pressures and you don't have the support, and you feel isolated, and you're maybe already prone to that. That could be the thing that pushes somebody into having a mood disorder. Um, so, I, you know, it's 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 an imperfect analogy, but I think it's all part of a spectrum.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that something that the two of you struggled with at all? Any any postpartum uh, issues? Go
1: ahead. No well, I mean, looking back on it i, I maybe um for me um, it's certainly again, using that I, that analogy of the spectrum, I was on the lower end, but um I think they, they could have been part of it uh, I don't know what you uh,
0: yeah i I think uh you know, interesting, I think he struggled more the first time with that, and I think I struggled more the second with our second mm-hmm. and just um you know, and I think again, like there was less time to rest because we had a four-year-old that were running to different, you know, preschool and different things like that. Um, and I think in that way it was more taxing. Cause I did, I got more sleep at night cause we'd actually figured out how to work together to get more rest. So I was doing that, but still definitely, I think it was, um, it was harder. Um, the second time again, not, you know, it wasn't, diagnosed and I did, you know, I saw a therapist and, and that, but I, you know, I didn't take medication or anything, but definitely it was, um, it was more of a challenge the second time, I think for me in regards to
2: my mood. So. It was kind of interesting because in my world, there was just babies everywhere all the time. Mm-hmm. And my mom had nine and my sister was three when my son was born so- and, and he, there was already older cousins at the second generation level and it wasn't a thing and i Mm -hmm. think there was also much less um pressure that we put on ourselves to do something and we weren't so isolated and like i mean you guys are already adults for like 20 Mm -hmm. years before you Mm -hmm. (laughs) introduce a little person i was 21 when i had a child Mm -hmm. so i never was an adult without a child and so do you think that's a part of it like people are getting their information from books and all sorts of stuff. And they have so much pressure. And I mean, these women are having to breastfeed till their kids are five. And I don't know, like, like, it just wasn't such a thing when I became a mom Right. that it seems like their, their education's not coming from like family and like the real world, it's more like books and.
0: Right. And I think, and so then we have our expectations of what Mm -hmm. it's supposed to look like and what it's supposed to feel like. And I don't know, so you being 21 with like babies all around, were there other people around? Like, even if it was like older kids, like to help watch or do certain things, like there's people around all the time to to help you. Whereas I, and I think, or at least I know, you know, from my, you know, personal and professional experience is like, we don't have those people that to call. Like, you know, I was talking to a client today and I was like, if I want, if my husband and I want to go out, you know, cause I always recommend like dating. Right. But anytime we want to do something, we have to call, we have to get a babysitter, like everything, like it's hard. And it's like, you know, do we have the money for that? Cause then we need the money for the babysitter. and We need the money to go out and you need, you know, all of this. It's like, there's no one, you can, can't just call like, Hey, I'm going to call my mom or my aunt or whoever and see if they'll watch the baby with their kids or whatever it is. You know, I have to, we have to coordinate all of this. And um it's a it's a challenge and it's it's stressful. And then you put the stress on top of like having a job because a lot of people like they're working full time or part time or working from home, why they're trying to wash the baby, and then you know, running a household and then making time together. It's like all these things that they're having to do and it just it feels like too much and it's too hard. And I think it's um it's exhausting and straining and there's just yeah
2: yeah because we uh have like this natural thing to be part of a tribe
0: mm-hmm. and,
2: and everyone's kind of in their own box and it's super yeah. exhausting to try to do it all and for sure like the kids his cousins were part of his life and we'd change off and there was a lot of opportunity even when when our other son was born your parents took him
3: and, and like I th- I think mm. also it, it was kind of part of being a family. It was like an expectation mm. generations mm. ago versus now. I, I think it's been replaced by a lot of guilt mm. that a lot of parents are struggling with, you know, they feel guilty mm. about asking their sister to come and watch, yeah. you know, the baby that you know.
0: They do and they have their own thing. So mm. I don't want to put more pressure on them.
3: Right. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: And I mean, I think all of that's totally agree with all that. I think, and of course we can there's people that doesn't don't apply or doesn't apply for now and didn't apply for then, right? But the one thing that is true across the board, I think, in that we're in a different world, that there's different expectations created from mm-hmm. social media, from other media about what it's supposed to be like. And even though there's voices out there in the wind t- <laughs> like us trying to say, no, this is really what it's like, this is what you should expect. The dominant Theme is it's going to be great. Everything's perfect. You're going to love your baby immediately. Um, Your relationship. Enjoy every
0: moment. Yeah. Enjoy
1: every moment.
3: Yeah. And the birthing process is going to be beautiful with birds singing and and go just
2: as planned.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's one of the things that we talk about a lot in the courses that we do. Is that you know this idea of a birth plan is great, but it's. Planning for what, in the grand scheme of things, is a sliver of time. Where is the where is the plan, the postpartum plan?
2: And so that's what we. Um, and what the shame post- around the plan not working.
0: Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, because yeah. if you needed to get an epidural or you had to have a C-section or something, you know, it's like, you know, all the things.
3: Yeah, so. that's uh, that's very interesting. You know, the postpartum plan can you guys talk more, a little more about that?
1: Yeah. Well, so um, it's it's based on the idea. Of, I was in the service yeah. and we started talking about as we were putting our course together that, you know, in the service, if we were going to do something, there was what we called a five paragraph plan, which you talked about how you were, you know, where are we going to get the things that we need to complete this mission? Where are we going to get them from? How are we going to? Um, use them what's the communication plan what first of all is the mission well the mission and in and in the family is easy right <laughs> take care of the baby and stay together but what are the things that we need to do that well let's start with the home what are the things that have to happen in your house you have to be fit you know you have to e- eat you have to have some kind of cleaning you have to pay the bills and then you add the baby on top of it well how are you going to do that You really need to start thinking about that before the baby comes and have a couple of ideas about how to do that so that when plan A falls apart or doesn't come together, you got plan B. When you talk about the idea of support, well, who is it that we can really go to? and What can we expect from them realistically? And what I always like to say when we talk about this is, Nothing's for free, right? So, you know, sometimes bringing a family member in means that you might have to accept that the family member is going to change things up a little bit. And Mm -hmm. is it worth paying that price for the benefit? And, you know, sometimes it is and sometimes it's not. But you got to think about that before you're in the crisis mode.
2: And I think, you know, the babies change very quickly. And if you make a decision here... (laughs) Yeah. It might not work six months or a year from here. Yeah, And, and like, how do you pivot? Yes.
0: Right. Well, and that, that's where I think it goes back to like making sure that we're making time to connect and check in with each other because it is like, things are constantly changing. And that first year, I mean, they changed, I mean, they go from just being this little, you know, some people call it a little blob, (laughs) you know, like this little person, you know, that's just there that you have to do everything for to like, Some of them are like practically running, you know, walking around or at least like moving around and eating and stuffing things in the mouth and stuff like that. And so it's like they change drastically. And so it's like, yeah, how do you keep up with like what you're going to need and what support you're you're going to have to have and, and how do you and how do you work together? And it does it like I think it's constantly having to be flexible and pivoting. And, you know, I like joke that having kids. Um, has helped me um, recover from being like that type a personality because like they clearly my kids have tested everything that I've ever you know how I like things and they they've tested it it was like I had to have two because they came from both sides to test my um perfectionism so (laughs) (laughs) um and it's like and it's it's been good like I not always good, but, you know, like, over, I think I'm much better in a much better place than I was when I started. And, it, you know, just being able to let go of
1: certain things, too. Yeah. But, you know, one of the things to your point, one of the things that I think is critical in a plan is communication. Mm-hmm. If you ask a couple, probably any couple, anytime, but certainly a, a, an expecting couple, well, how are you going to talk to each other? What do you mean, how are we going to talk to each other? We, we just talk. But what we really try to emphasize is you got to have some especially when one's going out of the house or both are going out of the house to work. How are you going to communicate about what your expectations are when you get home? You really need to think about that now. You know, texts are better than nothing. A phone call is probably preferable if you can't talk face-to-face, but you got to plan for whether it's, you know, at lunch, an hour before we come home, because that's the worst thing that can happen, right? Whether you have your parents or not, is you walk into the house expecting A and your partner is doing B, and now you're both pissed, right? Mm-hmm. A- and that could have easily been avoided with a little bit of planning on the communication.
3: And it's so easy to fall into really bad habits, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it happens, you know, one increment at a time. Yeah. And if couples are not coming back together and really kind of processing things and how things have changed, you know, do they want that change to happen? Mm -hmm. You know, where are we going? What's that, that point in the future we're heading towards? If they're not reconvening each time, then they can get very distant very quickly
1: for sure.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting because when you give birth, it's, it's a painful experience. And so whenever we experience pain, we feel shame which is why we don't feel we did it well enough. And we were just recording another podcast about blame. And one of the things that we noticed is we, we like to hike. And what we noticed on the hike is anytime something went wrong, you instantly blamed your partner. Like rule number one, it's, it's the other person's fault. And it's a natural thing we do. And so you both have this baby and you're both adjusting. And so it must be, their fault yeah <laughs> even though it's completely not true and so it right. is it's that, that scorecard instead of being on the same team yeah because so. we don't keep score with teammates no not good teams anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so it is so complicated there's so much going on mm-hmm. yes
0: yeah it really it really is
3: so how do people find your workshops or want to get in touch with you and or the book. Or the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where can they uh find all um, that?
0: Well, um, they could always go to my website, happywithbaby.com. Everything is there, the book. Um, the workshops we haven't due to the pandemic, we haven't had any in person workshops, though so we have had the pleasure of meeting with several couples like two on two, doing like intensives via Zoom. So that's been um that's been a lot of fun and um unexpected Mm
2: -hmm.
0: um and then um and then also like on all social media at happy with baby so
1: and the book can be purchased on amazon
2: or
0: anywhere books are sold so there you go
3: great great what
2: would you guys say to someone that was really in the middle of really struggling with adjusting to having a baby
1: Well, you're the professional. I know. know,
0: (laughs) I'm curious what you're going to say, though, because I feel like I say I answer this question a lot. So I'm curious.
1: Um, Well, before the pandemic, I ran a couple of dads groups. And um, in those when because there were both um, expecting dads and also um, ones that were, you know, right in the thick of it. and. I try to always go back to what worked for us is that have you had a chance to sit down with your partner for a period of time, you know, 30, 40, an hour, whatever, um, uninterrupted and really use I statements, Mm -hmm. right, to say how you feel, but not make it like to your point about not blame, right? I feel like I'm doing all the work. I feel it. I feel like that may not be true, but I can't shake the feeling,
0: uh-huh.
1: and I don't know what to do about that. Right? If that's the case, and then let your partner have the same opportunity. Um, and that's not necessarily that you're going to come to fix it right at that moment, but you can't start and while well, you're still both in these silos
0: well and then I think we can understand what it is that we feel like we're doing and like how can we work together or support each other better like maybe there's something that he's feeling like he you know our big thing was like who was getting up more in the middle of the night well it was clearly me but he did feel like it was him (laughs) I'm just kidding but um and he you know and it was like we just said it and it was like we I heard him say it and was like he's he is out of his mind that he really thinks it's all about him but it was like that I could hear that he was really like struggling and like keeping it from a place of I want to understand you better I don't want to like you know question what you're saying I want to understand you better so then if I find myself you know one of the things you know I'll tell couples if if I hear myself wanting to like Um, react or get defensive, then I I feel like that's my cue that I need to ask some like clarifying questions because I know um in deep down in my heart of hearts that he doesn't want to be hurtful to me. Like I know that. And so if he's saying something that I find hurtful or like offensive in some way, then I need to clearly understand better what he's trying to communicate because it's either coming out wrong or I'm hearing it wrong Mm -hmm. from him. And so I think it's like it's like, yeah, you know like, sit down and, like, have, make some time for your partner, um, ideally, like, uninterrupted, even if it's, like, after the baby goes to sleep, or they're, maybe they're sleeping there, and you're holding them because they're in that stage, you know, but, like, make that time where it's, like, uninterrupted, you know, you're not distracted by looking at your phone or watching a show, but, like, being able to have, like, a good conversation, and that it is, like, hard right now, but it's not always going to be this hard or this exhausting, like those, those early stages, right. Or like an exhaustion that you've never felt. Like people are like, I thought I had new exhaustion. Like I went to college. I stayed up all night, but I'm like, this is like <laughs> night after night, after night, like, this is like torture, you know, <laughs> um, you will never feel that kind of exhaustion, you know, and it's not always going to be that hard, mm-hmm. but it's also, you know, um, don't let that, that like wall of resentment build that you have this like conflict with each other, because it's going to be harder to tear that resentment, that wall down if you wait too long. And you're going to have to do a lot more repair work afterwards. So it's like, if you can start addressing it early on and, and know that you're not alone in this, it's like, it's like so many couples, you know, the, there's a high rate of dissatisfaction after bringing home a baby, like you're not alone in it. Is this figuring out like, how do you get back you know together again
1: and i think it's always important to let him you know we again intellectually know it but now is not forever right things will change um this moment in time of pure exhaustion will give way to a different kind of (laughs) (laughs)
0: okay we're we're going into the teen years i'm like oh
2: my god hold on Yeah, everything you guys are sharing is really important. And there's so many people that need to hear this message. Even the part that, you know, it's just hard. It's just hard. Mm -hmm. So last question. What is it that your partner does that, you know, they love you?
1: Well, it just happened uh, 30, 40 minutes ago, an hour ago, where she made my lunch for me. Really unasked, which was very nice.
0: Yeah, oh, that was sweet. Well, because he was busy doing something else, so then I was like, "Oh, well, I'll just do this. while you do that?" Um, what does he do that I know he loves me? Um, a lot of things. Just one. Round. I know. I'm, trying to, <laughs> I'm like, what's the best one? Let me think. <laughs> this is that perfectionist. I want to have the best answer. Um, I think it is like. I mean, I think that that he's always there like he's always like I can depend on him like even if he's busy he'll respond like can I call you back later or whatever like you know if I I think it's urgent but he'll be like I'm in the middle of something like I'll call you back or you know we'll talk about this later like you know and he'll he'll come back and we'll have that conversation and so like I just know like he's he's always you know always available even when he's not available to you To me, yes. Not to everybody, but to me, yes. And he's like an amazing, amazing dad.
3: Thank you. Yes. Awesome. Well, Catherine and Rick, we want to thank you so much for being on our podcast today.
2: You know, sharing stories is a way that human beings have been processing their lives and bonding and growing and sharing. And we hope that by you guys sharing your story, it's enriched your lives and the lives of our listeners. Thank you.
0: Yeah, thank you. I think it definitely has you asked us some really good questions,
3: <laughs> and we'll definitely put you know your contact information, the website, in the show notes and everything. Uh, we want to thank all of you, our listeners, for joining us today on Couple Synergy. Our passion is in helping couples and people have happy and healthy relationships, and this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. For all of you listening, please let us know how you enjoyed the show. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com for more information about couple synergy and our programs such as relationship 101 our home study course the couples weekend intensive and our premier coaching program called couple to couple look us up online at couplesynergy.com
2: and if you know someone who could benefit from this episode please download it and share it and thank you for listening
3: until next time synergize your life and synergize your love